Hey, it's Adam. And Brian. We don't usually do this, but we wanted to throw a quick uh, note at the beginning of this episode. It's a really interesting conversation, but we went into it lighthearted to talk about rap battles uh, and the fun and humor in a lot of that. Uh, But it got really heavy. It touched on some really interesting topics that are important to talk about. uh, But in the context of the comical conversation, we wanted to make sure that you knew that you might want to put headphones on if there are little kids around. (laughs) (laughs) it's it's a great conversation it's a hilarious conversation but it's about comedy it's about safe spaces it's about free speech and it's about a lot of the topics that come up in a rap battle where the two people are trying as hard as they can to cleverly insult the other person (laughs) (laughs) it goes deep into inappropriate things that one might not want to ever say but that perhaps we should still protect and allow to be said in certain environments but for now you might want to wear (laughs) headphones if there's if there are little ears about (laughs) enjoy never heard of such an absurd concept as harmonica anxiety. <laughs> right? You couldn't Christ. be more hidden. You get to cover well, your face with your hands. You're literally breathing in and out of a comb. <laughs> that if you've picked the right one, is never out of key. Right. Nobody knows if you're good. Hey, it's Engineering Podcast. I'm Adam. I'm Brian. And I'm Pete. Oh, that was perfect. Ding, 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 ding. Bring me in that here perfect. to not drop perfect drops. <laughs> not drop, not drop perfect drops. That's bars. Uh, I feel like that's that's a perfect bar drop. It's a perfect intro into the topic at hand. But I feel like first we got to introduce Pete, and before that, I got to pimp some stuff. Special thanks as always to our backers on Patreon who throw us as little as a dollar an episode to keep this thing afloat. Hang out. Uh, Drop us a drop us a buck on there. Send us a message. Honestly, just talk to us anywhere, and we'll probably be happy to add you to our Slack channel. Interrupt where... us in a restaurant. Yeah, whatever. Sure. But yeah, we got so we got we got Pete in the house, buddy of ours from way back, way way back. I mean, the older I get, back. the further that that how long I've known you is not that way far back. But that's how time works. For longer <laughs> than other people I've known. That I deal with all day. I'll take that. (laughs) (laughs) But this is the part where I hate doing intros. (laughs) I can see because your shoulders are almost touching your ears. I know, man. Pete's actually Pete's actually (laughs) came over for this, so we have two participants here. He seems to have some experience being on air. Uh, A fair amount. He does. (laughs) Um, I am. uh, I am a comedian. You may have not seen me on Gotham Comedy Live on. Uh, you can do better on True TV, and I start on an e show called Hashtaggers. Uh, I was on an MTV show called uh, Greatest Party Story Ever. Hosted a radio show in college, actually. That was the most popular radio show they ever had. It was called Petey's Playhouse. Which one of those <laughs> is the one where you won a date with Britney Spears? That was uh, Greatest Party Story Ever. Uh, in my stand up, I tell a story of how when I was 17, I hacked into the Planet Hollywood website and wrote a little computer script to vote for myself in a Justin Timberlake lookalike contest that my friend Kent entered me in without telling me and then won a trip to Orlando to go on a dream date with the Britney Spears lookalike contest winner. That's what it was. Oh, wow. the lookalike contest winner is the part where that gets really good. Yeah. At the wow. beginning, they well, the topic of the, the episode has now shifted. With Britney Spears, and then I really just hedged <laughs> all the expectations there. Brian, I knew you would appreciate 
Pete as a guest. Please send pics. We're not really here to talk about any of that. We're here to talk about Pete's Pete's obsession with battle rap, which he says condescendingly. I want to understand <laughs> battle rap. I say it with that tone only Ugh. because I want to understand it. So much so that you didn't watch any of the links that I sent. <laughs> Which in our pre con, which in, in our pre podcast, that was tactical. I tried to own as tactical, but it wasn't. I he just wants didn't. to be fresh, man. He wants to not know anything, so, so that you, he can um, not know anything. So he doesn't you want you to our, claim that he stole bars later when we're throwing down. Right. I don't even know what it means. Steal bars? It's already come up twice. Um, <laughs> we need to educate you since you haven't seen. Yeah, it. Yeah. So let's so let's back it up and. Never mind the fact that I tactically didn't watch the things you gave us for homework in the Slack channel that you could have access to if you throw us a dollar on Patreon. The both of you. The yeah, you're not the only the only pseudo professional. You're actually a real professional. So when I say that, it's like insulting. Agreed. I'm, but I, but I, you know, I'm getting better as a host. That you're a very good that, host. You're um, you're but, a good producer. You're good. You're good at guiding the conversation. Uh, if you were in a Slack channel, you would see the videos that I'm talking about because they've already been shared there. I failed to watch them, although it was the homework that Pete gave us. I did. I wrote uh, big long descriptions and searched through what battles would be appropriate, and uh, I really curated that list. They will be great for our listeners when they come to our website for additional content. Bam! Um, Nailed it. We'll put them in the show notes too, so you don't actually have to give us money to get. You do. To you those. do have to give us a dollar on. If you want to, if you want to get, if you want to get don't access give it away. early, if you want to have input on whether or not I should do this homework before it happens, then Adam's going to make a bunch. That'll of cost fake you a dollar. Like, Adam so. shouldn't make any. Shouldn't do any homework. I love how unprepared you are for this endeavor. Yeah. It's going to be all fake <laughs> accounts that are all Adam. Like the Schmurp says. No, Adam doesn't need to do homework, and also he should get free burgers every episode. So, so break down for people that don't understand the battle rap phenomenon. What we're talking about? Okay. Um, Well, there uh, there are a couple foundational things. Uh, Most people's uh, cultural reference for battle rap is Eight Mile. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm going to pretend for those of you who haven't seen Eight Mile. Um, battle rap. Uh, imagine two rappers on a stage, not unlike slam poetry, standing in front of each other. They get three rounds each, like a boxing match, and the rounds are different uh, times based on the league, the venue, the rappers. Sometimes it's 60-second rounds, sometimes it's 90-second rounds, sometimes it's five-minute rounds, and... Um, those times are all paused when they get crowd reaction. So a three-minute round ends up being nine, ten minutes because, you know, the crowd reacts. You have to pause, go back, all that stuff. Um, and they are trying to verbally and lyrically best each other. Um, and that can be done in a lot of different ways. You can... There are there are um, personals where you talk, where you say things you know about the other person and actually diss them as a human being. Or you can just style on them and go, look how good of a rapper I am. And I can flippity-dippity wordsmith all day and I'm better and cooler and smoother and my girl's cuter and all of that brag shit. Um, there's also lots of um, bars, which are fresh and raw and unhomeworked host um, may need a definition for. Um, a bar, when you write 
battle raps. You're writing your bars. So each line is a bar. It's a musical <clears throat> term. For- it's a musical term, yes. Um, but in battle rap, particularly good or clever or substantive lines are called bars. If you go, your mom's fat, that's not a bar. That's not, that's right. just a stupid insult. <laughs> but if you go, um, if you go, I brought, uh, to keep the beef fresh, I brought something aluminum for you. That's a bar. <laughs> that's, that's, so. So it's defined by the reaction a channel that, so we had a suggestion from somebody in the channel for like what we should talk about in regards to this. And I think we'll get there, but it caused me to throw out one of my favorite lines ever from a Ooh. Tribe Called Quest song. It was real good. Uh, oh, that was I was waiting for that in the videos that were shared. Oh no, that line it's all dark and handsome. I'm all that and then some. Bust the nut inside your eye to show you where I come from. Mm-hmm. Was that a bar? That's bars. That's Damn. bars. You yeah, that's the bar. good. So you can relax now. That's your bar for the episode. <laughs> yeah, your your bar quota was just oh, exceeded. Man. I can Woo. put my shoulders back <laughs> down. Um, Plus one bar. There are a lot. Let's not get all RPG about this shit. With your plus ones. <laughs> <laughs> your buffs um so there are a lot of different ways that uh that people are, are judged um in a in a battle nowadays most of them are not judged like he's the winner and he's the loser that's very very few battles nowadays it's mostly leave it up to the fans to argue who won um the only battles that are officially judged are generally the championship battles because they need to know who the new champion is or if the two battlers put money up need to know who's a winner so that they can win or lose um but they employ during a battle lots of different tactics it can be personal insults uh just showing you how good of a rapper i am and that can be through uh as uh brian was saying references to lots of different things um so many references so many references uh clever wordplay um multi-syllabic rhymes um a million different things, freestyle rebuttals. So the the, the majority of people, uh, when they think battle rap, they think Eight Mile, and it is put a beat on and go ba da da punchline, ba da 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 ba da da your mom, and it's set up punchline, set up punchline because it's to a beat, and that's how battle rap used to be. Ninety-seven um, percent of battle rap now is uh, free is not freestyled; it's pre-written and it's acapella. There's no beat anymore. Does that mean you know who you're going to face? Yes. Or does that change yes. round to Weeks round? Weeks and months in advance. Oh, yeah. Yes. So it's, imagine a boxing. It's, yeah. There's a main card and an under, undercard, and they know who they're facing weeks or months in advance. Sometimes it's a week notice. Usually it's is there a ever month a, or two. Is there ever a bracket structure where you don't know who you're up against and like later in the day until after you finish the one person you practice? Not for? anymore because your rhymes would have nothing to do with the people you're battling. Right. Um, generally the more customized rhymes, the better, because if you're just going, yo, I'm a great rapper and yo, I'm going to shoot you great. But what's clever is if you make it about this person or you do name flips where you take the person's name and make fun of it. Um, actually, so I, uh, for, for those listeners who know the show on true TV, the Carbonaro effect, it's a. It's a magic hidden camera prank show. It's currently in its third season. Uh, The lead guy, Michael Carbonaro, the guy who hosts it, um, I tour with him doing theaters. We did the Will Turn uh, in March. And um, so a guy is, there's a guy named um, DNA. Is it DNA? 
Tayrock. I don't remember who it was. Um, he lost to a guy named B Magic. So he said, Magic made you look dumb on cam. That's the Carbonaro effect. So, because people on the Carbonaro effect are made to look silly by a magician. So you're saying B Magic made you look dumb on camera because we film these battles. That's the Carbonaro effect. So that is a reference to a TV show that is a hidden camera magic show that if you've seen, you get it. If you can place all the words to, and you know who B Magic is, and you recognize that on cam is because battles are filmed. So you, every single line, you have to know three or four different things and piece them all together. That was a really interesting component of this because the crowd plays in so heavily to, to the uh, videos that you sent over. They, and it's, it was especially interesting because as I was watching, especially that second one, let me pull that up. real. Just get the the source versus Fresco. Yes. Especially that one. The references were so broad. I mean, touching on like historical references, uh, Back to the uh, future. Like gaming references, mm-hmm. societal references, like all manner, mathematical references. And you could imagine that not everyone is getting every reference. A lot of what was said was over my head. And then so you get this really cool thing from the crowd where like you're balancing out. You could tell people really like obscure references, but they also like popular references. And so you get this really interesting balance where you're like, if I can get just the right angle on this, like the right people in the room are going to get it. And that's going to get amplify the crowd's response. There's so much dynamicism to the uh, is that is that one word? Well, and it is now (laughs) what I think is interesting is that you what Peaches ran through strikes me as like there's this insular like I see why the people that really like it. I feel like they're part of a like a community of people that like this thing. But the fact that, Brian, you were able to dip into it just from these videos is partially fed by the crowd in the same way that like a laugh track works on a comedy. It's a little bit of telegraphing the merit of a thing that totally. you... Oh, absolutely, absolutely, right? That you don't necessarily... But what you're really... What that... that Laughing when you don't a, get the joke. You're right. <laughs> Well, and what that metric is assessing is, you know, I mean, what you're chasing for bars is turn of phrase. And so <laughs> look in that, at you, bars. Look so at you. That, you're like a bam, pro already. I know, right, man? Um, I'm so proud of you. Just fit in. Just fit in. No, you're doing great. Uh, you're doing great. You're my special guy. It doesn't surprise me that, 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 you know, like Pete, with your background doing comedy, like joke writing is about the same stuff right yes. you change your reference you change the juxtaposition of two words you change the pace with which you deliver it and yes. it's a completely different joke if you say it on stage right, right? so you say you're not good at battle rapping no i i do just the don't same, freestyle right um because uh, one of the um terrible ideas for this episode was that we all freestyle battle at the end (laughs) and it would have been a turbo disaster and uh the cringe factor for this podcast would have skyrocketed (laughs) and broken the top of the graph um i do ghost write for a couple of battle rappers i'm a i'm a i i i am not a um, an incredible flippity dippity multisyllabic rhymer word scientist, but I have a couple of friends that I will that will remain nameless because I'm not going to say that uh, that they don't write their own stuff. They do write 97 percent of their own stuff, and I'll throw them a line here and there. But um, what I specialize in is what's known as angles, which is what is the angle you are going to go 
at your opponent with? What are you going to talk about? Because um, you can't just say, I'm a great rapper and you're bad. Bring up the fact that they this, that they girlfriend broke up, that they this. Um, so, uh, yeah, stand up and, and battle rap are very, very similar because other than rhyming, you have to create context out of thin air and then have a punchline on that context because lots of people go, oh, you do stand up? I could do stand up. I'm pretty funny in conversation. I'm like, yeah, but the people in the stand up audience have never met you. <clears throat> and they don't know that the girl at your office always wears weird blue dresses, so they don't have the context. You have to create this, the, it out of thin air and then do jokes on it. You can't, there's no, it, you're fun, being funny with friends. So in battle rap, there is, uh, it, it is somewhat easier than stand-up because there is context, because this is going to rhyme, it's going to be about this specific person that you're battling, and we know who that person is and their style and some of their look and maybe some of their history battling. So <clears throat> there, I'll give you guys an example of this will, this will encapsulate a bunch of things about battle rap that will, that will, uh, that will help. Um, so the battles that I sent you in this channel were three levels of, um, understandability, let's say, uh, because the first one was, um, Pat Stay versus Hollihan. Two white dudes from Nova Scotia. Um, they're not using super, super thick hip hop slang. They, they know each other personally. So the shit they're talking about, you can understand without knowing anything about them because they tell how they're the story of their friendship breaking up. Um, and what happened and they, it's, it's pretty easy to digest. Um, Thesaurus versus Fresco, they're both uh, more rappers. They, they're, they're both like white-ish dudes. So they're not super, super thick hip hop slang either, but they're a little bit more referential and they're a little bit tougher. <clears throat> and then Hitman Holla versus John, John the Don is like smack URL to, if you've never watched battle rap, you could watch it and get 30% of it because you don't know who they're talking about. You don't understand that Desi is a word for a gun, that Desi is Desert Eagle, and you need to know uh, there are a million things that you would need to know to understand. I was lost by video three. I couldn't follow it. Of course you were. So I tried to to ease you into that. Um, But there's another battle. So this will will help a lot of people. Um, Thesaurus versus Roan. Okay. Roan is this hot up-and-comer guy. Thesaurus is this veteran. He's on the Mount Rushmore of battle rap. A bunch of people have booked battles with Roan and then not shown up for various reasons. So, Thesaurus against Roan says, No weddings, no funerals, no pathetic excuses, no holds barred, no respect for these new kids. Nowadays, an up-and-comer tests a legend and loses and thinks he's seasoned in a day like a Netflix exclusive. So you guys probably got like 60% of that, right? It was, it was good. Yeah. I think so. But so he with goes. With the context you gave right, us about that, their ages. Right, with that, and I did it half the speed. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, so he goes, no weddings, no funerals, no pathetic excuses. So he's saying, I booked a battle with you and I showed up, not like these other people who ducked you, right? No holds barred, which is a wrestling term or a boxing term that you you can, you can there are no rules in this battle. You can do whatever the fuck you want. Um, no respect for these new kids. He's saying Roan is not, does not deserve my respect. Nowadays, an up and comer, Roan, tests a legend, thesaurus, and loses. So he's saying now these new guys think they can just battle one of the veterans 
and thinks they're seasoned in a day, became a seasoned veteran. Just by battling one of the veterans and losing, you're a seasoned veteran. That's He's saying that's not true. So they think they're seasoned in a day like a Netflix exclusive because Netflix shows come out a season at a time. <laughs> so that's four <laughs> bars in one round of three rounds of one battle. And there's it is dense as shit. Super dense. So oh, dense. And that's a pretty easy one to understand. Yeah. That doesn't have any crazy hip hop slang you've never heard of. It's all very plain spoken. It has a very easy four four. Thesaurus has a very easy four four rhyme structure. Um, but even that, you have to know people have canceled on Roan. Thesaurus is a veteran. Roan's an up and comer. Netflix shows come out a season at a time. No holds barred is a wrestling term for there are no rules in this battle. A seasoned veteran. I mean, there's in four bars, and that's an easy one. So. Um, and even at the top levels, the two, the last one that I sent you, Hitman Holland, John, John, the Don, it looks like for those of you who haven't watched the video, Adam and everybody at home, um, this is like what you think of as rappers, two big, tough black guys looking tough being 50 cent versus 50 cent. That's the kind of league that we're talking about. But even they are doing nerdy wordplay, which is my favorite shit, because they're going, I'm going to shoot you, I'm going to kill you. But right underneath that, it's really clever, because if you're not doing clever wordplay, you're not battling. It's, that's what we're doing here. So for all this fucking bravado and all this stuff, it's like they're word nerds. So in, the, in that one that I sent you, uh, Hitman Holland, John, John the Don... Hitman Holla has this big necklace on, and John John says, I'm going to let eight off with eight shots off. I'm going to shoot you eight times uh, if I find out what the jewels on Holla, Hitman Holla, cost. So he's saying, if I find out that your necklace is really expensive, I'm going to shoot you and take it, right? I'm going to let eight off if I find out what the jewels on Holla cost. Eight off Jews Holocaust. Wow. Three double entendres in one line. It's, it sounds like he's like, I'm going to shoot you. He's doing a World War II scheme right now. I mean, how does he, how does that even play out? How did he know he was going to be wearing that? Is that, is that made this up on the spot? always wears a big chain. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, and so, even if he's not wearing a chain, we all know Hitman probably wears chains. We get it. Right. If I, you know, if I, it doesn't have to be, he's currently wearing a chain. He happened to be wearing a chain, which he always does. But uh, even if he's not, we still get it. He's gonna—he's so, a rapper. He wears a big gold chain. We have what? a buddy of ours from high school who's been on the podcast before, Alan, who always used to—he always used to tell me that the stuff that he used to listen to back in high school, when everyone else was listening to like Pearl Jam and shit, was like Third Eye he wanted to listen to Tribe Called Quest and Far Side and like even more obscure, like Dead Prez, like like mm-hmm. deep on these, you know down that road and his argument was always that he didn't he had no rhythm and so he couldn't understand the musical like (laughs) like merit behind anything that was just like i'm gonna play guitar and sing he was like meh didn't get he's like but these guys it's it's about it's about being witty it's about like turn of phrase it's about a thing where you can just be like man that was a good way of saying that that's exactly (laughs) right that's why i like it so much it's why my favorite writer is aaron sorkin because everything that he writes is really fast and everybody's always interrupting each other. We never stop. And if there's a joke, we just keep going. We're all adults here. We're not going to laugh at the joke. We're going to move on to the next scene. And I love that because that's my brain. When I watch a multicam, if I watch Big Bang Theory, I'm like, 
Oh my God, just get to the joke. Jesus Christ. <laughs> How fucking slow is it? It drives me crazy. It's so slow. And I'm like, I see the joke coming 30 miles away. And I'm like, eh. but the, but Sorkin stuff and really fast paced things. My brain goes, yep. Yeah, uh-huh. Got it. Yeah. Okay. Next. Great. Yeah. And it feels so good. There's something that my brain is, it made me really happy by rapidly delivered words. I like fast rap, Aaron Sorkin, battle rap. I don't know what it is about it, but the rhythm of words really pleases my. These are, it's a great so, juxtaposition to toss Aaron Sorkin up against battle rap. Right? Mm-hmm. Well considered. Well, it makes perfect yeah. sense. Yes. Uh, but it's not at all what people, I think, might be picturing. No. When they think of battle rap. No. Well, what I think is interesting is it's partially because rap, there's this rap hip hop distinction, I think, that I don't fully, I've never been able to fully understand. But like the stuff that I grew up liking was the stuff I was just talking about with Alan, where it's about turn of phrase over, like the the beat part of it is almost secondary to, like there's a clever something that the DJs cut together with their, you know, their turntables and it's, and it's, it's a bonus if that's great. But what you're there for is this sort of this rapidly delivered, massively clever poetry. And that's not anymore. Sort of morphed into battle rap. While what's popular is the stuff that Brian frequently brings up in the course of like when we talk about our formative years for music. Like for a while it was Nirvana. And then for a while it was just like pouring champagnes on strippers asses while you throw dollar bills at them and it just like something happened there that turned into this sort of space while the stuff that i like although i didn't follow it into battle rap was like turned into an Mm e-sport right like because you're talking about these guys facing off like i'm sure fisticuffs break out occasionally they're heated scenarios yes but they don't go there to punch one another no not at all but it's still structured as a battle right like so it's a a boxing match with words instead of fists it's it's exactly structured like a boxing match um yeah for there's a there's a a really fantastic youtube he's not a i mean he's a youtuber now but um name is jay smooth uh and uh he has this video about uh, lyrical. He, he he hosted like the most popular hip hop radio show in New York for years and years and years. Um, and he does these really clever, socially conscious commentary on whatever the, you know, I'm sure he has a great one about Charlottesville up right now. And sometimes Rachel Maddow will play his clips on his show, on her show. Like he's brilliant. Uh, and he has this show, is this episode about um, lyrical rap versus poppy rap and how these these, you know, these new rappers go, you know, my lyrics are nonsense. I just want to make people dance and it's all about the beat. Um, and, uh, and they're like, I'm just in this for the money. And he does this breakdown of, you know, there are people like Soldier Boy who will have, you know, some garbage song that'll be number one for a couple weeks. But he does this breakdown of the most, the top earning rappers for the last number of years are always super lyrical rappers. They're Jay-Z, Eminem, Nas, those kinds of substantive rappers. Yeah. Yeah. So he said, not only is uh, being a pop rapper, um, uh, what does he say? Um, Like creatively bankrupt, but also not a great long-term investment. (laughs) Like if you really want to have a long career and make lots of money, it's the Eminems and the Jay-Zs and then those kind of really lyrical people. Um, Lots of hip hop is uh, lacking to me in cleverness because it's so trending towards that's a great beat and some dude mumbling nonsense over it. And fine, that's good for club bangers and shit like that. But I'm here for just the meat with no fat. I want 
clever wordplay and nothing else. And that's what battle rap is. There's no fat. It's all meat. It's just the part of rap that I like. It's really clever <laughs> language usage. And I love it. It's hyper-concentrated. And I think by including the competition aspect, you get this thing. It's like, if I behaved on the street like football players behave in a game, I would literally be in prison. They do things to one another that are illegal to do to one another on the street Neil in normal Brennan, society. You know Neil Brennan? Why would you know Neil Brennan? He started Chappelle's show with Dave Chappelle. Yeah. He's a brilliant stand-up comic. And in his new special, it was uh, um, who, the Ray Rice, the guy who beat up his girlfriend in that elevator. He's like, that headline should have been, football player does football at the wrong time. Yeah. He's but, like, oh, I meant to do elevator, but I did football. It's like, of course this happened. <laughs> they tell them to be violent all day, every day, smash into each other. You don't think this is going to happen? Of course this right. is going to happen. And so when you incorporate that aspect of competition, like it's okay culturally for football players to bash the shit out of one another on a field because context of competition. Yes. And this gets to the point that Alan is actually the one that brought up in the Slack conversation, which was like by turning rap into an e-sport and There's introducing e this, about it. this competition. I only say e because it's in the context of like, the physical danger is certainly minimized compared to if I were to go play League of Legends in real life, I would immediately get impaled by a pike. Like I'm not, it's not, you can't. Anyway, the point <laughs> at the end of that. Pike resisting amulet. Not if I have a magical pike resisting amulet. We just talked about amulets for like 15 minutes in I'm our previous so podcast. I'm sorry I missed that. Um, <laughs> we can repeat it. I got a lot of thoughts on ambul amulets, guys. Ambulets? It's a yeah, silent That's how much I've you said that word in my life. That um, might be the first time I've ever said the word <laughs> in my life. And my mouth was like, have you, you haven't done this one before, have you? Let me see. You're if welcome. We, you can put I that know. into a bar now. I'm yeah. going to ask Siri how to spell that because I've spoken it, but I've never written it. <laughs> but it, it strikes me that the introduction of competition allows you to the, the topic that was thrown out in the Slack channel was this is a great context to talk about the idea of problematic art. Which is like, we live in this time where people don't like things that offend people. They don't like a lot of conversations, politically at least, and even philosophically, are sort of foreclosed because we can't talk about stuff that's like you want to just throw out there. Like, even as you were talking about the Ray Rice thing, I felt like I needed to back up and go, we're not saying it's okay that no. he footballed at the wrong time. Yeah. Right. <clears throat> but in this context of competition, the same way it's okay to bash the shit out of people in football. Yes. In this battle rap thing, like Alan pointed out a line in one of the videos that's he says uh, about about raping a 15 year old. Right. He says it's a ridiculous verse, but I assume because he mentioned it that it was, you know, also clever. I don't know the exact line that he's referring to, but that's not unreasonable for a battle rapper to talk about. <laughs> right. But. But in that context, no one in the room goes, ooh. I mean, they do, but it's probably more like, ooh. Yeah. Not like, I mean, oh, even oh, even a much less serious line. Like, for instance, in, the, in, in one of the ones I was watching, there was a lot of references to the other rap battlers' acne scars, which would be an absolutely horrific yes. topic of conversation at a party when you've met someone. But the other rapper was applauding and clapping and cheering on the crowd because it was it was well played. Yes. And I think that's the angle of problematic art, 
where it's both it's challenging to you it's cringeworthy a little bit uh but there's some there's clearly something important going on there right there's something of of extreme value yes and this is the second time in a couple podcasts i've been caused to bring up that alan watts thing where he talks about like if you want to be a philosopher if you want to have worthwhile conversations you have to offend people you have to get i have to start by saying grossly offensive things yeah yeah can't just go like, hey, guys, maybe let's, hey, let's maybe talk about existence. And that, right. that's been surprisingly hard for us on our podcast, actually. We have a whole episode where we purposefully address some, like, really non, non-aggressive non things. Like, not at all. And it was like a formative episode for us that freed us to be be more open. Mm-hmm. And, and On uncomfortable topics, I think I mean, it was I, called. Uh, yeah. We, we purposefully had to address some really simple things like basic sexuality. And we're like, oh, phew, we can finally like talk about girls on our podcast, which is so awkward for these two like middle aged white guys. And watching through these rap battles, I mean, you you progressed them very well, right? The first one was like very easy. The second one was still nerdy white guys, but not they, they had like there was more attitude. They were physically aggressive towards each other. And then the third one. I'm, I was totally uncomfortable in the situation, <laughs> you yes. know? So by the third, <clears throat> yes. I'm like, I'm exhausted mentally. <laughs> I'm uncomfortable imagining myself being there. And it uh, it's it's a very interesting juxta- juxtaposition to how normal conversation happens. Hmm. Yeah, battle rap is kind of this weird um, safe zone to say horrible shit because... Um, at the end of the day, they're really just going for clever. Right. And and when a guy says, I'm going to rape your girlfriend or whatever, he's not going to do that. Of course he's not going to do that. He's not a rapist. He's not an actual criminal. But man, He's a rapist. He's a rapist. That's <laughs> well, it's, worse. It's interesting. Some of the... I, I don't my my rap and hip hop and poetry and general history around this medium of art is not fantastic, but there there is a time there was a time with certain rap music where it was extremely reflective of actual battles going on in streets, right? Yes. Of people actually killing each other. Yes, and I think that still that hangover for me. I mean, that was like happening when I was a young child. So by the time I was formative and in my teenage years and like rap music had become, it was merging into pop culture as opposed to uh, like this artistic stand up against what's happening in the world. The adults in my life were like, you can't listen to that crap. It's all about actually murdering people on the street. But we're not necessarily past that because people are still getting murdered on the street for the same fucking bullshit right now. And maybe literally right now as we're talking, uh, but the there's the how do you like how do you find that transition point for something being this like important civil protest that is clearly bad where the FBI is telling you to stop performing in public theaters to now it's something that anyone can do for fun on the weekends with a group at their local uh, warehouse. <laughs> Where- warehouse. Warehouse. I was like, oh, what's he going to say? <laughs> they seem to all be in warehouses. YMCA. <laughs> but you can also reframe this back to the, you know, the 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 comedy thing, right? Like the the idea of problematic art is, you know, like the 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 ongoing argument in comedy circles you know, has to do with, oh, this person made a joke about rape 
And this subset of people wants to say that that's not okay in any context. And then other comedians answer and they just go, if, if that's not okay, then comedy's not okay. Yes. And you're castrating its use as a social tool yes. to talk about problematic things. Because if you're, what isn't funny is if you go, man, everything is great. That's not funny. What's funny is this is wrong. This is different. This is weird. This is a social friction point. This is, that's what pushes, that's why there aren't that many conservative funny people. They're trying new things and challenging society. And so they don't go, man, it was great 30 years ago. All right. Thanks everybody. I'll see you guys. It's not how it works. Um, is it? This this is this touches on an episode we did a long time ago on profanity. Is is that stuff funny only because we're told not to do it? Like if it were okay for me to make fun of your acne scars, like that wouldn't be funny anymore in context, right? Yeah. So it's There's, because it's, of it's, limitations that make this make things unique, make things like that unique, right? Well, a lot of it is I mean, it all comes down to intent. And when Fresco is making fun of Thesaurus's acne scars, everybody does that. They do they do what's called face jokes to Thesaurus, um, and uh, you have to go at the person with whatever you've got to go at them with. And uh, and Thesaurus knows that Fresco respects the shit out of him and thinks he's one of the best battle rappers of all time, and is not going, man, you made fun of my acne scars. That's why when they're making fun of each other and they're really landing some hard bars, they're clapping and slapping each other. And dude, that was fucking great. Because that's what we're here to do. That's the that's the context. If you go, why'd you make fun of me? Because it's a battle. What do you think we're doing here? <laughs> we are trying to break each other down as best we can and then hug at the end. There's There are some battles where there's actual animosity and there's a fight. And it happens sometimes. A couple times a year, somebody will throw a fist. Oh yeah, there was clear. I mean, there was clear physicality to this yes, as well. Even the ones absolutely. where they were friendly, you're intimidating the person. You're screaming yes. in their ear. It's a little bit WWE. There's an element of this is sports entertainment theatrics. Yes, yeah. there are some theatrics. Um, some people do it way more than others. Uh, you can get really corny with it. There's a there's a there's a factor that some people think about for each battler is believability. If, if a tiny little like nerdy white kid's like, yo, I'm going to f- pop the Ruger and I'm going to kill your girl. Everyone's like, shut the fuck up, dude. No, like, no, you're not. But if a giant scary dude says that, it's like, okay, that guy's pretty believable. So it's good to see a battler stay in. If you're, if you're a nerdy white frat boy, don't say you're a fucking gat popping gangster because everyone rolls their eyes. Be you. Be clever in the way that you're clever. Do this as you. And if they put on this crazy character, it's inauthentic and people don't like it. So is is battle rap a specific niche of like a like a, a more broadly group rapping genre? Because I'm wondering the battle component of it is sort of assumes the competition and the aggression and I'm wondering if there is like a version of it where it's more specifically around the lyrical competition or where you're maybe rapping about different topics as opposed to rapping well, against the other person. Well, how it started. Initially, battles probably at like New York house parties when hip hop was just starting to be a thing and clubs like that, a rap battle would be between 
two MCs, and they wouldn't be talking about each other at all. They would just be trying to be- just get the crowd hype with their best rhymes. Mm-hmm. And it was, yo, 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 I'm the best rapper. You know, like that old school. And, it, oh, that guy's a great rapper. Oh, that guy's a great rapper. Right. Then they started going, and this dude sucks because, and that opened the whole thing Interesting. To, to this. So um, some of these guys are like in and out of jail. And have gun charges and are really doing this shit. And some of them are goofy frat dudes or just like they look really tough, but they're like a slam poet. But they do. And it's sort of um, a safe place for them to do this because they're not out on the street actually killing each other. We've now taken it and made it safe and go, okay, you guys can take all your energy out on each other in this controlled environment. And you can do and say all the things that you'd want to. But in, like football, they're allowed to smash yeah. in each other. You can't do that in public. In battle <laughs> rap, you can say all this shit and you can say, I'm going to kill you and my friend has a gun in the car. And you, if you do that in real life, it's you get you get arrested <laughs> well, or murdered. This, that takes it to a really interesting space here because you, you most certainly can't charge people on the street and tackle them and then take things from them and run away, which is, in essence, the theme of football. But you can go out in the street and say whatever you want to someone. And that's a very explicitly protected right of an American. Mm -hmm. But when you take these things in the context of battle rap, we're talking about it as though this place has been set up to make it appropriate and okay and safe to be that way. But yet we still allow anyone to go and say whatever they want, wherever they want as a right. Yes. And what's up? Not with necessarily that? with no consequences, though. Not without any actual physical consequence. Well, you this can is have anything said back to you. Oh, you this might is get a punched. <laughs> I mean, well, allowed be... physical consequence. The like appeal and sort of the structure of how this developed. Uh, it draws an interesting comparison between what you're allowed to go do in public. Uh, what you're supposed to go do in public, what's safe to go do in public, and then what we let you do that brings value when you're not in, in when you're in this controlled environment where you're expected to be right. offensive and angry and aggressive. It takes the people's natural impulses. People want to fight. People right. see each other and they want to beat the shit out of each you other. Want to kill the other so person we, and take their resources. So we have boxing and we have <laughs> MMA and we have these things where we go, okay, we all want to do this. Let's do it in a thing with a cage around it and let's have tickets and let's showcase this thing that everybody wants to do or a fair amount of people want to do and let's make it safe and let's control it and and then and, everyone else can experience it vicariously. Right, and that's the same thing with battle rap. It's people who don't want to admit that they want to do that sure. <laughs> and then watch it in, in quiet. Right. Some people in the crowd are like i want to do this and some people are like i want to do well this, and that's such a funny that's such a funny part of the conversation that you brought up earlier but that plays into everything that i do in my world of digital like marketing and stuff like you were talking about the authenticity and there was recently okay so there was a uh little little dicky sure you know had a big do, hit with this with a right like he's he is a really good case of achieving popularity for the extent to which his authenticity like his first big hit was about how much money he was going to save making his music video cuz he's a wiry jewish guy right right like he's real 
there's this authenticity piece that works back into everything when it gets to a certain level of maturity where if you don't buy the guy on stage in a stand-up context talking about a joke, if you don't buy the guy in the battle rap yes. context saying what he's saying, we feel the same way about politicians. Like if you don't buy it because it doesn't feel like an authentic message coming from that person, I feel like society is more than ever primed to go, oh, fuck off. And I and look at something that, else um, because uh, <laughs> like like stand up in the 70s and 80s, a lot of it was like character stand up and I'm going to do jokes, ladies and gentlemen. And now if you went out and did that, everyone's like, who the fuck are you talking to, bro? Like, what do you be? Be with us. Be a person. What is this shit? Right. When, how, when was the last time you saw like a character comedian like. You, they go, ah, they, it's become much more intimate and personal and and uh, self-introspective. Uh, and um, I like when somebody goes, I did a stand-up show last night. I like seeing people's real perspective from this person. And they're not pretending to be something because that inauthenticity puts up this wall in between the audience and the performer. And people more and more... Have we've seen behind the curtain of you know it used to be what was on the TV was was on the TV and the three big channels would put out their stars and and now it's like you can do it in your bedroom everybody there's no difference between you and the person on TV literally we're what we're doing right now is in this right now yeah in my bedroom right just essentially <laughs> you sleep a bedroom in here? Jesus a Christ. bedroom in my um, house. This is really, I, was, I mean, one I, of the things I appreciate, it was great though, when it was an office. Now that I know that it's a bedroom, it's completely changed now my it's perception. Pathetic. <laughs> <laughs> um, the part I think of that, about that is fascinating is watching like we're we're living through a transition in comedy in that sense where you still have old guys like Carl Reiner hanging around talking about like how it was when you used to just grind it out in the Catskills and jokes. piece together jokes jokes and you're still talking about jokes and there's still this workmanship to it where it's like you you're still trying to find that authentic like you're you're this is why I think pot why comedians were the first people to get broad success with podcasts because they're used to iterative adaptation mm -hmm. right you try it it doesn't work you try it again you try it it doesn't work you try it again you try it like there's this repetitive process of finding the way to make that joke land. Yes. And part of that is if you push it out of they don't believe you saying it anymore, you lost them. Right. If you don't pick the right turn of phrase, you you didn't get the right context for the setup for the punchline to work. Like, And even of the people nowadays who write jokes, Dimitri Martin writes jokes, but they're so from his perspective. And you don't go, he's playing a character. You go, that's Dimitri Martin, and that's how his brain works. And I'm with him, the person, right now. When you're seeing him perform, you aren't watching a bunch of jokes. You're watching his brain produce reflections on the world. And it's interesting to be, you want to be with that person instead of this character who's doing one-liners. Rodney Dangerfield was really funny, but like when he got off stage, he wasn't that he wasn't that guy. Dimitri Martin's probably like I've I've seen him before and after shows. He's like kind of that guy. That's his, kind of his thing. Like, <laughs> and and more and more people realize like, oh, movie stars and TV stars are just, they're just people. They're just everybody's kind of the same. And uh, it's nice to see people want more and more um, personal access to stars. And when you see somebody who's just themselves, it's. It, that's why I think it's become more like, and more popular. I refreshing. Think the, yeah. the interaction is just 
unavoidably more enriching for everyone. Because no matter how polished or developed or interesting or thought-provoking your character is, it will be lacking what your everyday, all-life-long actual personality is. And so just the joke you tell, the story you tell, the, the way you look and appear, and just simple things like where your eyes look when you're in character is going to be different than if it's authentic coming from your soul. And so there's, there's just more depth, I think. I've always found that, I mean, I found more, I've been doing stand-up almost 10 years and the t- kinds of things that I gravitate towards are not, here are some jokes about chairs. This is, pencils are funny. What's the deal with the DMV? I don't, when I write that kind of stuff, it feels inauthentic and it feels like I tried to write a bunch of jokes and it doesn't, but when I tell stories of things that, that happened to me in my life that I'm really excited about or really confused by, and it's me, Pete, the character in that situation, and I recreate that situation on stage, that's what people like. Mm-hmm. And it's not, man, these cars are crazy. What's up with dating? <laughs> Am I right? And some people can write like that airtight, but I want to just, when I tell a story on stage, it happened nearly word for word as to how I'm saying it. And especially our generation and the younger generation, they they don't want you to fake. They don't want you to lie. Just be you. And a lot of battle rap, the reason I like the first two battles that I sent you, the King of the Dot battles, King of the Dot is a Toronto-based league. There are leagues all over the world. There are leagues in name a country, they have battle rap there. Um, and there's this guy, Minnesota Luke, who now doesn't even live in Minnesota, but, um, he's this, uh, he's this really (laughs) funny, he, when he started doing this, he was called Minnesota Luke and he's, I guess he's, uh, from there. Um, and he's kind of a battle rap documentarian. He puts up videos of, you know, 10 battles you didn't know existed. And he knows about these obscure battles between these huge battles. And he goes, well, the reason it didn't happen because of the day that they filmed it, this was back when they were filming things on VHS. And this guy thought that he lost, so he stole the tape, that kind of shit. And he puts out these great videos um, about, you know, he's, he's kind of the unofficial battle rap documentarian. Like the whole community loves him. He's like this funny white dude. Um, and he has this very like monotone delivery and everybody loves him. And, um, he, uh, 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 I don't remember why I brought him up. I love how much listening to you talk about this is like listening to Joe Rogan talk about boxing. Like, <laughs> totally. There's a point where I get lost, but I don't care because <laughs> clearly he knows what he's talking about. Uh-huh. And it's just an impressive. So the thing, the thing I wanted to point out to kind of wind this down because we're hitting hitting time, is the i you said you said a specific thing when you were talking about battle rap and 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 problematic art. You said you go to these these tournaments or challenges or whatever you want to call it. They're called tournaments. Tournaments. And challenges. Fair enough. Tournaments. <laughs> challenges. But Come it's on a down safe to tournament space. challenge, everyone. It's a safe space to, like, I, I, you said it was a safe space to, you know, say these things and know for sure that I'm not actually going to murder you. Right. But that term, that safe space term is like, it, there's no way of avoiding it if we're going to talk about all this shit with comedy. That's and, why I use that term. And modern discourse, like, because it's this idea of the comedy club is a safe space. And if you're trying to say that you shouldn't say this certain thing in the safe space, I'm sorry, just don't go in that space. That's not for you. Yes. But you don't get to 
you, you can't the problem right now is everyone thinks they deserve safe spaces and i think that's fair but they don't realize that you have to find your safe spaces not turn other people's right. safe spaces into the your comedy safe club space. is a safe space for the comedian Right, not for the, the comedian, audience. not the audience. Yes. If you don't Specifically like it, not don't... safe for the audience. Right. Yeah. Don't put me in the front fucking row. I feel point. super uncomfortable in the front row at a comedy club because yeah. I'm just like, oh shit, I might be fair game. Right. And I know I'm it. I'm going to say things that you might not like, whether it's about abortion or if I go, fuck peanut butter and jelly. And you go, I love peanut butter and jelly. What the fuck? I love, like, now the Bill hey, Burr get, comes across as we've seen year, uh, Daniel right. Tosh had the big thing. Um, Bill Burr was like, I hate these fu- fucking bloggers who, you know, you do all these jokes, they love them, but then you say one thing that they happen to not like, and now you're making statements. Now that it, it hits home to them, if you can make fun of this, right. make fun of this, but if you say something that, oh, their cousin has autism, oh, okay, well, now that it hits home, now it's real, and now I'm trying to offend, and now I'm joking. So, I mean, and that's... That's the big part of this conversation that touches on the episode we were just doing, Kerp, right? Is is the idea of saying things that make people uncomfortable, that they all of a sudden have a personal attachment to, that the person saying it maybe didn't know. There was no intention of calling out something specific to that person, but all of a sudden you're enjoying this comedy set, but all of a sudden it's like, ooh, you shouldn't have said that. Yes. And that is... That is such an unreasonable expectation of the listener to put on another human being. I didn't come out here to specifically offend you. My profanity is not directed at you to make you uncomfortable, make your life worse. I'm just being me up here. What is with people putting their own uncomfortableness on everyone else? I don't know. <laughs> this is a tough. This is a really Wait, tough right space. Now, what, where, where's the, what's the end of this? <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> so, so, so I feel like that's as good a place as any get out of here, right? So, that's a great place. I feel like the moral is: if you suddenly feel like you need a safe space, look around first and make sure you aren't in someone else's safe space Ooh. before shouting Ooh. that 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 you should. Have if the your right. mic wasn't on a bracket, I'd say you should drop it right now. <laughs> I don't want to drop your it. love. Just turn that uh, off and it'll eventually fall off. And if you are a fan of Aaron Sorkin or shit talking or stand up or anything, I have I have gotten several of my friends infected with the battle rap bug. I will show a couple people a battle and they'll go, that was fucking, show me more of that. That was amazing. Because they watch it and then I pause it and I go, did you guys catch that? They were just listing all the people in the NBA draft and they went, What? Wait, play it back, and then I play it back, and they go, holy shit, they just did list nine Disney movies. What the fuck? That was incredible. So you can say, you can just, in a battle, say, I'm going to kill you, but that's not clever. That's not funny. If you if you were a comedian and you go, rape is funny, haha, that's not funny. But if you go, what, are you going to not have sex with them if they don't have sex with you? That's a That's the right way to do it. That's a clever way to deliver that message. And if, you and were, if you're clever enough... You can just materialize safe spaces for whatever you want to say. Yeah, more or less. You can, if you're good enough, you can get away with with really anything. Um, and uh, and it, it for those of you who have never seen battle rap, it looks like two people just talking shit and bragging, and it isn't. It is really nerdy, clever, multisyllabic, personal, referential wordplay that makes me think about language in a way that I hadn't before I saw the battle. Um, there's a, w- one of my closest friends uh, is a, he's, he's Ill- immaculate. 
Um, he's he's incredible, and uh, he's short. Everybody makes fun of him for being short. And this guy, Big K, who's this big Bubba Sparks looking, this big white dude, um, you know, he's making fun of Ilmac for being short. And Ilmac's response is. So in a in a ba- in 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 uh, hip hop in battles, uh, a homie is a homicide, and a body is a body bag. When you beat somebody three rounds to zero, not even close, you fucking body bag that dude, right? And he goes, "This is honestly a, a body, a homie, homie. I'm small, but you're tiny beside me. I'm tall. When I hop on the pile of bodies that I leave behind me." <laughs> right? Screw you! Just screw faced at that shit. You just like Jesus Christ. That would take me like a year to dissect. You screw faced. You're like, mm. so so because so there are so many things happening in just that line. Honestly, a body, a homie, homie. Honestly, body, homie, homie. So he's using all of these words that all rhyme, and he goes, this is honestly a, this is honestly a body, a homie, homie. I'm small, but you are tiny beside me. I'm tall when I hop on the pile of bodies that I leave behind me because he's killed so many rappers in the past in battles. And he goes, now I'm just standing on my throne, sitting on my throne of just fucking rappers I've killed in battles. The imagery of that is brilliant. I'm just I'm imagining single... the end of Conan the Destroyer where he's like, you know, Schwarzenegger's just sitting on this throne by himself yeah. made of the bones of the exactly. those left in his wake. The imagery of that, it's not, yo, 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 I'm a tough rapper. It's I'm sitting on uh, the pile of people who I've killed. A while, and, and it's a rebuttal to, I'm not small, I'm taller than you because I've killed so many people. They've piled up and now I'm on top of it. And that's one, and it looks like a guy talking shit. It's like nerdy, brilliant, multisyllabic wordplay shit. And when you get it, you screw face. That was your first screw face. When somebody says something particularly like filthy, you're just like, mm, that was fucking hard. Jesus Christ. Will you, uh, so, will you, you throw wanna, that line out? Perf- right. Perform Speaking. that line as well as you can for the audio. This is honestly a body, a homie, homie. I'm small, but you're tiny beside me. I'm tall when I hop on the pile of bodies that I leave behind me. <laughs> so if you want to, if you want to come hang out in Slack in the channel that's been running for a little while that resulted in this episode, Pete's there dropping videos, talking about this shit. You can get in there if you drop us as a little as a buck an episode on Patreon. You can get there by going to p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash zengineeringpodcast.com. And thanks to everybody who helps us out over there. And, and you thanks. can watch all of my stand-up or most of my stand-up stuff for free. I'm at heypete.com. P-E-E-T. P-E-E-T like Pete's Coffee. Heypete.com. Plugs on plugs. Plugs on plugs. Thanks for, thanks for hanging out, man. This, this, was, uh, this was a nightmare. Yeah, this was great. Stuff. <laughs> I'm Adam. I'm Brian. And I'm Pete. Play it safe, everyone. You guys don't know how to end it. (laughs) It's only been 49 episodes. It's only been 49 episodes. Hey, it's engineering. Oh, hey, we didn't. Ready to go. Yeah, me too. Why'd you break the fourth wall like that? Hey, it's an amateur. Jesus Christ. Because I have to promote things. I had a good buddy uh, when I... Uh, when I was younger, Peter Mills, who I don't know if he listens, but if he hears his name on a podcast, he'll flip his lid. Um, his Google alert just went he off. He used to, uh, when we hung out in college, him and his buddy had been freestyling. They were friends from growing up, and they just freestyle rapped all the time, and they, they weren't particularly good, but they also were not embarrassed. <laughs> but not being embarrassed is 90% of the battle. <laughs> right. Like most of the competition. Yeah.